We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, how you doing tonight? It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk and the Friday Rapid Fire Show. He's Vince D'Addario. I'm Sean Steyer. Jesse will be along in a moment. He is in my den trying to get connected to the internet and such. His phone died while they were on their Chicago Cubs trip. And so he was waiting for the phone to power up and he's got a work laptop computer and it has to send, you know, like some kind of text code to his phone so that he can log in and all Uh. that kind of stuff so the phone was powering up and waiting on all that and he's gonna have to still enter you know the the (laughs) wi-fi code for the for the house and all that kind of good stuff are you officially on spring break right now vince yes sir and i could not be more excited about it i didn't didn't wait a long wait around very long after bus duty. I can tell you that. Usually I kind of hang out till 4 30, 5 o'clock, and even later sometimes. I, it was a salute and a out of here. I was gone ski. All right. Well, I just got a text. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. You see. Oh, Jesse. He'll be here eventually. It looks like he's, he's got the uh he's the classic <laughs> circling, you know waiting deal there it's swimming right now so yes yes it is all right well we we you know we kind of got off to a little bit of a late start anyway because we were waiting for the uh the big show to uh come to its conclusion on the other side it looked like jesse just there he is he he's popped in and uh in the studio now are you are you there jess are you with us jess I think so. Can you guys hear me okay? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. We can't really see you very well, but you, you know, you're backlit a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, you're, you're more not of a TV. silhouette. Yeah. You're backlit with those curtains open behind you, but that's okay. That'll that'll do. We'll we'll just uh, we'll, we'll we'll trudge on anyway. <laughs> Without the best thing. Well, as you saw in the podcast title, Vince is under fire. We'll be addressing that coming up here in a little bit. We've got some other stuff that we'll get to first. Hit that like button, please. Subscribe, rate, and review, and all that good stuff. Help out the Irish Breakdown platform. Well, so I've got a couple of sound bites, a couple of clips from Gino Gadouli yeah. from his uh, media session 
today. Now, you're going to have to listen kind of closely because just with the setup, there were like there were at least three people, if not four in there at the same time. He was at one end of the table. Tyler Buckner was at the other. So like there's there's a little bit more background noise than usual, I think. So kind of listen closely. But for starters, he was asked about Notre Dame's receivers today. Now, listen to this cut. Tell me what stands out to you. This is this is wide open. So just pay attention to the cut. Whatever you pick up on, you know, like give it a listen. Tell me what stands out, okay? Two days in a row um, that he's gone up and made some, some big plays on the field. Uh, like you said, those young freshmen can really run. Uh, they're still in the learning process, so I can't imagine, you know, once they understand the offense a little bit better, how much faster it'll be. Chris Tyree offers us a, a totally different speed element in slot. JT's played a lot of football in the slot. Dion's played. So, you know, I think those guys are just excited about spring ball, the way Jared's kind of opened up the offense, giving those guys some more opportunities down the field to make plays. I think that kind of can rejuvenate that room a little bit. And uh, we're giving this opportunity this spring to see who can go out there and make plays. And hopefully at the end of spring, we feel good about five or six of those guys that we can roll in there and the fall comes. Okay, again, so there's Gino talking about, and it's it was like even more background noise than I remembered from earlier. So did anything stand out to you in that? Again, this is completely open to your interpretation. What stood out from that clip, Vince? Well, for me, the, the, there was a couple things. Number one, the first receiver that he mentioned was Chris Tyree. Oh, oh baby. Love that. Yep. Love that. Okay or at least by name, because I think he said the freshmen are fast, but they're learning the offense, which is what you would expect, right? But then the second, and probably the bigger piece, is that he talked about Jared Parker giving these guys opportunities down the field. He opened up the offense. Oh. I was wondering I was wondering if you would pick up on that. Let's because go. It was subtle, but it was there, and that's what caught my attention in this yes. clip. Jared's opened up the offense. Yes. Yes, hundred percent. Like yes, it was very exciting. Yeah, go, Jess, go. <laughs> no, so th those are those are the two things that obviously stood out to me too. Um, the mentioning, you know, the slot and, and Tyree, and just how how much it opens up their offense and the speed at which Tyree um, can play at. And then also talking about you know just the depth. I think the depth is something that went unnoticed there. Talking about you know five or six guys and the potential for a really good solid you know, wide receiver rotation, it sounds like almost uh, of guys kind of fresh legs at the wide receiver position and kind of, you know, picking and choosing who's going to be that guy. So I really like the idea of one, opening up the playbook um, and two, having a lot of guys that the playbook is that is going to be open for. It doesn't sound like it's going to be relying heavily on one guy. It's going to be a, a group effort in terms of the wide receiver corpse this year. I mean, it, it's like, are we actually going to see a 21st century looking offense? You know, they've talked all about this. Oh, it's going to be a pro style offense and that's fine, but you can still throw out of a, <laughs> out of a pro style offense. You can throw down field out of a pro style offense. And I'll tell you what, Tobias Merriweather's name comes up all the time in these media sessions. And not only does it come up all the time, but we're also seeing these highlights all the time of Tobias Merriweather. You know, catching passes, Sam Hartman slinging it to him downfield. You know, other guys as well. But Tobias yeah. Merriweather 
keeps showing up. And I think yeah. that that is just a great sign for everybody right now. Well, even in the clip that uh, someone referenced, I think, yeah, USMA 87 referenced it in the chat. He said, Coach G mic'd up video is cool. It was cool from a perspective of, yes, Coach uh, Gadouli is awesome. You know, I, he's a real Southern kind of guy and like had a lot of those kind of references. But they showed one ball going deep. It was Hartman to Tobias Merriweather, who went up, boxed out, basically boxed out the uh, the defender and went up, high pointed the ball and brought it down. It's like, yes, give your guys a shot. Put it up there. Let your guys go up and get it. Thank you. Like every, It feels like every time we see one of these videos from spring that, they, that Irish media puts out, there's a deep ball. And a lot of times it's going to Tobias Merriweather. And so, man, I'm on board. I am so on board. And I really hope that they are slinging it all over the yard tomorrow during the full practice. I realize it's one practice, April 1st. Like, I get all of that. But, man, that's Give what I want to see. Yes. Give it to us. That's right. So are we – is it certain – is the practice still going to be inside the stadium? Have, have no, they have, they have moved it They have, they to the indoor facility. We were kind of given – when we went to the media session this morning, we were given the setup. There are going to be some recruits up there, and we're going to have to kind of go to the far end of the balcony up there, Vince. So At least we get to be up. Just I mean, so I, you know, that's right. At least, yeah, I read, I read the email, and at least we get to be up. So we'll have a little shelf. We can – do our little typing and all of that. Well, so that's I'm, the I'm best. Is when happy. you're up top, it's like the bird eye view. You can yes. you can see everything. Right. Bring your right little now. binoculars. Oh, again, we'll be. Yeah, I was gonna say I've got to find my binoculars in this room someplace. That's a good point. That's a good point. So I might have to make sure I got those in there. But yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it, and I'm <laughs> can't tell you how much ha how happy I am that it is going to be indoors. Like I, that that excites me for. An, number of reasons obviously one i didn't want to wear 13 layers to watch practice <laughs> and number two the seating is just weird when we're outside like you have to stand up pretty much to see right. anything anyway and so when we got the bird's eye view up top we can stay seated and see yeah everything. i mean with, with this weather if they were going to be outside they might as well just put us in the press box but obviously they <laughs> want to have a True. constructive practice so right. they're going inside where it's yeah. going to be nice and warm and dry and everything else so i i i mean this is this is our one shot this spring yes, that's it is, it it is this and then the blue gold game to see anything you know Crazy. like in terms of full practice live and that whole yep. thing you know so i'm really curious to see what we see tomorrow i'm anxious yeah. i'm anxious to get out there mm -hmm. <laughs> yes usma jesse is in witness protection <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'm just glad that he's here right now. Me too. So, yeah. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so we've got another cut. And in this one, Gino Gadulli is asked about Sam Hartman and his impact on the young guys on the team uh, you know the 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 young quarterbacks specifically so again what you take out of this is up to you but have a listen here they played a lot of football and has a lot of experience and for some of like the rpo stuff that we're doing in particular inside the offense this year sam's got a lot of experience like the guys that have been here so there's like a, a trading off of knowledge from Tyler and Steve to Sam about, hey, this is how we did it last year. This is kind of, you know, what we were taught. Sam kind of goes to them in the RPO and they watch them together. And they're asking him, like, why would you throw that out? And he's like, well, I got six in the box. That's my seventh defender. I feel him keeping the box. He's too tight. Let's get the ball on the edge. We're going to play maybe see if they tap the space. And to me, there's just a nice little ebb and flow of, of those guys exchanging information, trying to help each other. And Sam's been great with him. You looked a little flustered there, Vince, when you were, when you were listening. What 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 got your craw? <laughs> <laughs> because he made perfect football sense when he was talking about the way that you throw an RPO or the way you operate read, in an RPO. It's very RPO, simple. Yeah. Very simple rules when it comes to an RPO. And they didn't really follow them in the past, it felt like. And the the obviously this thing the thing that stuck out to me is that they are focusing heavily on rpos which yes they didn't was, in the past that was right? again, i mean you know he wasn't he wasn't asked about rpos but yeah you're exactly right we said we wanted more rpos and here we have in the open the quarterbacks coach talking about right dissecting you know when you know reading the defense the extra defender and all that stuff so easy see more rpos in the office yes and the fact that that buckner and angeli had to ask Hartman, why he's throwing certain places in an RPO tells me a lot about Basic how they were coaching like, the RPOs in the past and never yeah. using them. Exactly. Jess? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool, you know, comment basically saying that, you know, Hartman is learning from some of these guys. And then obviously, uh, Angeli and Buckner are learning, you know, some of the stuff that, that Hartman has learned, you know, through all of his experience. So it's it's cool to see you know, quarterback room that's generally all on the same page of just, just getting better together. And like Vince talked about with the RPOs, it's like that's just simple built-in RPO 101 is, you know, depending on the tightness of your seventh guy in the box or eighth guy in the box or, you know, whatever you're you're looking at, it's, it's kind of concerning that that wasn't known or that they had to kind of ask that question because 
was it just not taught right or did they simply just not have enough trust in these guys you know last year to to run a full rpo game and and you know knowing how to read the the read mana and throwing it out to you know, to know wherever it might go so it's either it's got to be one of two things that there was there wasn't trust or it wasn't you know just being taught properly at the end of the day and either one of those to me is very concerning yeah like Agreed. That's a good yeah, point. Go, go ahead, Vince. You were going to say something. No, I was just going to say that I I completely agree with Jess about you know why they didn't weren't running RPOs because you know we've said it a hundred times, right? Tommy Reese is a he's an NFL style coordinator. They, they don't most teams don't run RPOs in the NFL, and and the main reason is it's because the defenses are so much better. So fast. At the NFL level, they're so much faster. They can recover so much faster that the RPO game isn't necessarily something that you can get a decided mm-hmm. schematic advantage. And in the and in the NFL level. too, it's you know right. it's, it's only so long before these guys. It's just like they're faster, and the coordinators are just a little bit ahead too. So when you put out stuff long enough on tape, these guys are going to figure out a way. They all to catch up to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when you're playing at the college level and there's so much obviously turnover over the years, et cetera, et cetera, like, and, and you're, it's just not NFL talent, right? There's 32 teams in the NFL, of the best players in the world. There's 130 college teams at the division one level. And so you can well, run RPOs very successfully and they just didn't do it because Tommy, that's not in his repertoire. I was going to say, now we know, now we know why there was a lack of RPOs yeah. over the last They didn't know the simple years. rules, the yeah. simple rules <laughs> of Basic RPOs. Stuff. Basic stuff. <laughs> oh. Whatever whatever he learned, he probably learned from his brief time together with with Chip Long and yeah. that was yeah. it. And cuz you're right, they like, ran way more when Chip Long was there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they're just it's it's been virtually non-existent. Yep. You know, you'd see some sprinkled in, but like you said, they weren't even doing it right to begin with. So, I mean, we've got wide open, you know, we've got more open offense. We've got Chris Tyree references. I was going to say, when, got- you, when you mentioned Chris Tyree in the slot and RPO within the same right. kind of media interview, it's it's hard not to get excited about those things. And then taking into account Hart, Hartman's, you know, history with the RPO, he knows how to run a slow mesh yeah. RPO. Like if there's a guy who's going to help you, you know, get these plays installed and built, it, it's going to be someone like Sam Hartman. So for me, that's an exciting kind of what's coming to the future. And I feel like Notre Dame offense is actually going to look and play at a different tempo this year compared mm-hmm. to the past. Jesse, you need to get like one of those flashlights, like on Halloween, and like hold it <laughs> hold underneath it your chin. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long last 24 hours. I bet. I bet we'll get to your Cubs trip here in in a minute. Where I'm I'm saving that for a little bit when we get to some of the baseball talk later on. Uh, USMA is like sitting there in the chat right now. USMA eighty seven. He's like, "Come on, somebody chat with me." Like we're <laughs> like all the regulars are not here apparently. They all got yeah. drunk on Brian Driscoll's game. Uh, you know, I guess oh, for the last three hours. And <laughs> so that's great. That's great. I don't know. Speaking of Driscoll. He had an idea, and I saw this on the board earlier this week. Had an idea for the green jersey uniforms. He thinks the Irish should wear white pants with green jerseys when they wear green. Do you guys buy or sell that? Go ahead. You know, I personally would sell that. I'm a big fan of white on white with like gold numbers, or sorry, green numbers and gold trim. I'll die on that stone. Those are my favorite unit, Shamrock Series uniforms when they played Arizona State inside Dallas Stadium 
I thought that those were the best look. Um, but I, if to me, if you go white, you should wear all white. Um, and then mm. if you're going to go green, I think you can maybe get away with like a gold pant. I, I would, I would go with a gold pant and like, I would use the white to accent, I guess is what I'm saying. If you're not going to go all white, I would use the white to accent, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the, the white pants with like a alternate color on top. This is a massive buy for me. I <laughs> love white pants. By the way, someone did a mock-up on the yeah. boards. And, and, and it, it, it looks really sharp. It, it looks, looks really super sharp. Especially, sharp. especially when you change the numbers on the green jersey yes. to white. That, so you've got white numbers and white pants. I was actually going to bring that up because I completely agree that it needs to be the like – the current green jerseys that they have with the blue look it looks okay with white like it's all right but if they went to white numbers with the white, white pants pants. that would look pretty good that's pretty hard to say that that doesn't work as the outline and do like some white and or sorry green Uh and gold stripes down the side of the pants let me see here pretty sharp yeah see if you can find that Vince, and share it on the screen here personally i really like that particular look here it goes Ooh, those are nice <laughs> and it it's a different guard, it's a, it? it's a little bit different of a green too yeah, yeah that's um, like a ivy green which i dig like i dig this look i think this look I mean, is it solid is, it's definitely Obviously, in terms of tradition, this is more something they would wear in a Shamrock Series game, but I would have no problem with that. But I I absolutely like this look. Um, you know, if you weren't going to go with the with the white numbers on the jerseys, I, I would still be in favor of gold. And in that case, just get a better gold pant. You know, they, sure. we've talked about this before. They need to ditch that mustard-colored pant that they've got. <laughs> To begin with, but yeah. well, then like, when you start sweating into it, it just looks like uh, yeah, especially for the linemen. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. That, that's the worst because they they sweat in it by like midway through the first quarter. Yeah, you know this, this for a Shamrock Series game, it's it's a no brainer. Like this looks, this is a perfect Shamrock Series game. Put slap a Shamrock on you know <laughs> on the side of the helmet and yeah. and go with this. This is a beautiful look. I think it's, it's clean. It's just a clean yeah look and. When you're on, obviously they're on turf when they're at home. You're not going to, it's not going to have grass stains all over it or whatever. Like it will stay clean from beginning to end. And this is such an easy, classy, just clean look, man. I, as, as here we go right here. Classy yeah. look. Classy. Zhao group. That's right. Classy. Stay classy green and white. Stay classy. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Love it. It's a great it. look, man. I'm telling you. Would you want this for a home game though? Would it only be a Shamrock series game? Would you want this for a home game? Bring it. Because Anytime. the green games they against Ohio State, like let's go, That's... let's just throw out. I mean, let's just throw everything at. It. Let's you wait. roll the, out the with green that. game is Ohio State. It is. Yes. Oh, I might as well give up on tickets then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Those are going to be inflated through the roof. I'm going to stick to the USC game. I think. <laughs> like those aren't going to be inflated because they're yeah, going to be still. undefeated at that point. So. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah. Now. <laughs> These are not, Steven's asking what these uniforms are for. These are not an official uniform. It was just, Brian apparently mentioned the white pants in a show to go right. green jerseys, and then someone started a thread on it. They on, mocked it up. On the boards, and someone else mocked up this look. 
you know, they're, they're so they had good this with, one just good will, with Photoshop. Yeah. I will show this. So they had this one, and then they also had the white with like the current jersey. I, I, I hate the other blue one numbers better. I hate, I hate the, the blue, blue numbers, numbers too. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Hate this is the, the white numbers look so much better with the white pants. I mean, it's not close. Yeah, it's not close. So I agree. It's a good look. It's a good look. Yeah, no problem, Stephen. Hey, no, it's good, man. We're all dreaming. You had a question, we answered it. So we're all we're all dreaming. So that's right. I I, I love it. If you rolled out for a night game against Ohio State in those uniforms, like recruits handed out a crazy. same color towel like, to all the fans as you walked in. Like, let's yeah. go. Shut it down. Let's have it. Let's go. That was my favorite game. I can't remember what year it was, but. I think it was USC four years ago, maybe. They handed out like these little green towels. And I, I, I'm i a sucker for that kind of stuff. Like anytime you have <laughs> something. They, well, it's just like it, to me, it shows like that home field unity. And so when the game's on TV and you see all the fans going crazy, swinging their towels, or it just looks like an environment that's like, wow. I want to play there. Or wow. Like it looks, mm-hmm. you know, crazy. There. And that game in itself. I mean, obviously, Notre Dame always draws a big crowd, no doubt, right? But that's going to be – I mean, there's there's really no reason Notre Dame shouldn't be undefeated going into that game. And there's no reason that Ohio State shouldn't be undefeated going into that game. So you're going to have a pretty top-flight matchup in prime time, and you're hosting. Like, let's spend a little coin, get some fans some, you know, whatever. Get them some towels, you know this do the different uniforms with the white pants like all of it like i i'll even go out and buy a green pullover for that game like let let's go let's have some fun with this stymie wants a uh a guinness partnership you know get guinness membership in there give me that muddy black color in a jersey <laughs> for a night game hmm. that might be a little rough i don't know about that that was almost like the the, the rockney uniforms a few years back they could have done something like that there you go with that look that they had. All right. We'll save the biggest basketball controversy for a second. But first, you know, we talked about national championship, Micah Shrewsbury's national championship comment yesterday. Let me ask you this. Fill in the blank. A successful first season for Micah Shrewsbury and the Notre Dame men's basketball team would be blank. To me, it would look like contention. Just overall being in the thick of it at the conference and the conference level. And I'm not saying like be a winner by any means, but make the conference tournament. Don't be dead last or second to last. Be kind of middle of that group, middle of the pack. Everyone gets into the conference tournament. Right, but be more so middle of the pack and above. Um, I don't think that a, you know, NCAA, NCAA tournament, yes, sure, I want that bid, but I don't know if that's realistic, you know, in year one with the new roster, new coach and the turnover and everything. So I think I would want contention within the ACC and then right on that bubble of maybe making the tournament, maybe, you know, maybe coming up a game or two short, but an NIT invite I think would be the cherry on top for me at the end of the season. If they can get in to, you know, at some sort of postseason tournament, whether obviously everyone wants the NCAA bid, but at least get that invite to the NIT next season. I I agree with one part that Jesse said, and that was the only part that I was going to go to. He kind of expanded it a little bit, but I was going to say bubble talk. Like if Notre Dame is even in the conversation for a bubble when, you know, in like February, right. Then that's great because they're, they're competing, you know, 
Now, if you want to break it down even more than that, like I want to see, I want to see defense. You know what I mean? Like I want to see, like I think you're going to see defense. I want to see it. That's a given. Yeah, Yeah, I want to see it, and I want to see some low-scoring defensive games where Notre Dame is just right there. Like Jeff said, they're competitive. They're kind of in that mid-tier for the ACC. I completely agree with that. Like a first-round buy in the ACC tournament, I think would be great. You know. That tells me that they're headed in the right direction because they're going to be young next year. I, you know, I don't know what the grad transfer stuff is going to look like, but it sounds like he's going to be bringing in a bunch of young guys, right? I think, so I think there's going to be a bunch of young guys playing. So let's see that defensive intensity. Let's see some team basketball back at the Joyce Center. Like That would be awesome. I'd like to add an amendment to my answer now. Ooh. I just thought of it. Um I would like Notre Dame to not look like a program that's with the first year head coach and a roster that is completely different than last season. Like a lot of times you can tell when teams are kind of going through a, maybe, you know, a rebuild. And I think the way I would just like to see Notre Dame kind of play with that, not on their mind, because that's so easy to fall back on, you know, after every game that could be, Oh, you know, first year coach, first year team together. I don't want, I don't want to see those things. I know like we're going to, but I think a mark of a good team is, overcoming that and just kind of battling it out and grinding out game by game. There are going to be some growing pains. There's no doubt about that. Tyler yeah. said, if you got Penn State to the tournament, why not Notre Dame? Well, but don't forget, it, Penn State was year two. It wasn't year one. I was going to say, it wasn't there in was year one. There was rebuilding to be done there as well. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't in year one. So For me, don't play it on the first day of the ACC tournament. Make it to the NIT. You know, like you guys were talking about bubble talk, whatever. I think if you're in the NIT you're probably at least somewhere close to the bubble, you know, even if you're like in that second four out on Joe Lenardi's group or whatever it has, you know, it's like get to the NIT at this point, at least be there because other than last year's NCAA tournament, they really weren't even on the bubble for, for, you know, most of those other years, like they weren't even there, you know, they were just bad in, in, especially this year, obviously that was the exclamation, you know, Obviously, it was it was bad. Mm-hmm. Get to the NIT. That's the biggest thing. If if they're in the NIT next year, I would consider that a success. Because again, if it is as young as we think that it's going to be, you know, even if you're able to add a couple of grad transfers to the mix, the 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 you know a big part of that team is either going to be inexperienced, you know, middle, you know, like middle classmen, I guess you'd say, you know, like sophomore, junior type guys who are currently on the roster and freshmen, you know? So if you're, if you're able to get to the NIT, that means you're trending in the right direction and there's a good chance you're going to be in the tournament the next year with, uh, you know, all those guys with that much more experience. Sure. So just get to the NIT. I know it's, I know it's minimalist and the NIT is generally not acceptable, but realistic program is right now. Yes. That is the most realistic early step. Realistic. Thank you. It's a word speaking, that some people don't understand. Speaking of realistic and unrealistic. <laughs> so, Vince has taken some fire for yesterday's rapid fire. Says so in the title of the show tonight, in case you didn't see it. But do you want to hear the Shrewsbury soundbite from yesterday? Should I just play it? Yeah, why not? Back and, and revisit the, I know, hear, the whole. I want to hear what Jess has to say. Before okay. he hears my whole rant, because I don't think he probably knows where I went with all this. So I want to hear what he has to say, too. So 
Yeah, play it and let okay. him respond. So here is Micah Shrewsbury's expectation for this program. Why did you come here? Um, what drew you back? And home is a big part of it. All right, I, I get a chance to see my family now um, really closely and get a chance to be with them um, on a short drive away. Uh, but the other thing is, and I truly believe this, you can win a national championship here. You can win a national championship here, and that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to fight for every single day. We're also going to do it the right way. We're going to find kids that fit Notre Dame. We're going to find kids that care about their academics. We're going to find kids that want to be great basketball players. And there's a chance for you to do both here. And if we do that, we find those kids. We'd be the toughest team. We'd be the most disciplined team. We'd be the most together team. We're going to pursue national championships. All right, let's see who we can tick off today. Pursue national championships, says Micah Freeman. So do you want Jesse's thoughts <laughs> on that first, Vince? Is that what you want to go yes, for? Yes, sir. Should we just jump into do you is it realistic, Jess? Is it realistic for for Micah Shrewsbury to come out of the gate slinging, talking about winning national championships at with with Notre Dame men's basketball? So is it basically at first if I'm understanding, is his comment kind of fair or foul? Essentially what you're saying, like the, well, the aggressiveness on the national championship front? Yesterday, yesterday, what we talked about, do we buy or sell that it's realistic? to win a national champ, you know, for like that, to win a national championship at Notre Dame with a men's basketball team. I think it is like you kind of alluded to Micah Freeman. Uh, I thought that was what? kind of funny. You said yeah, Micah Freeman. Did. did I say Micah Freeman? Sorry. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And so if you didn't mean to allude to that, it, to me, it, it reminded me kind of in the same Freudian manner. slip of the tongue there, I guess. I mean, it, it reminds I mean Micah me Shrewsbury did reference Marcus Freeman multiple times during the press conference, he and he was sitting there looking at him. So. Right. And so I feel like that he gives off the same energy and mentality that Marcus Freeman gives off, That's and weird. I respect that. And I, I don't think that you should have a head coach that is ultimately – like, is a national championship, you know, saying that in a sentence right off the bat a little too eager or, gun, you know, gunslinging? Sure. But I think the comment that stood out to me the most was it kind not that there was shade about, you know, the type of players that have played at Notre Dame in the past, but it, it made it seem like that Micah is alluding that he can get a different kind of player here. And with that kind of, you know, different kind of player you can expect a different level out of Notre Dame basketball. And whether or not that level is national championship level, I mean, that's up for discretion. But I think the the college basketball this year has proven that it, it's no longer about, you know, true on true blue bloods anymore. I think that maybe a team like Notre Dame has more of an opportunity now compared to the past. But at the same time, you have to look at what's helping a lot of these teams. It's a transfer portal. And right. Notre Dame doesn't go to the transfer portal with the same happen. kind of – they're not going to get the same player out of the transfer portal that FAU might get or that Miami might get or, you know, just any of these other major schools. So I think See, it's – this is this is, this is is the kind of comment that, that came up yesterday. <laughs> yes. And it, it's, it comes up in the chat. It's always, well, if a school like this can do it, why can't Notre Dame? If a school like George Mason years ago can make the Final Four, why can't Notre Dame win a championship? If a school like Florida Atlantic can go to yep. the Final Four, 
why can't Notre Dame win a national championship? Florida Atlantic is a state school, first of all. They have three undergrad transfers, undergrad transfers on their roster. That's is that from state other state yeah. schools, by what, the way. Was it Florida Atlantic that the five starters have been to nine schools? It was one of the schools, either in the Elite Eight or the Final Four, that the five starters have been to nine different schools. Like, that's not going to happen at Notre Dame. Right. And that's like everyone keeps wanting to apply all these other what Jesse like you're you're the math guy like like someone brought up you know like in part of our conversation yesterday they cherry picked the fact that I said 11 national championships have been won in the last 60 years by private schools you know and 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 then you know so their thought was well that's one in every 6 years that's actually a pretty good ratio completely negating the fact that 5 of those 11 have been won by duke <laughs> and the other 3 have been won by villanova Right. What do you call those, Mr. Math, Jesse, when Duke and Villanova have accounted for 11 or for for eight of those 11 championships? What do you call those? Majorities? No, you call those outliers. Those are outliers. Duke is a blue blood. So you're going to tell me that because Duke has won five of those 11 national championships by private schools that have been won in the last 60 years, that Notre Dame automatically falls into that. I'll tell you this. When Mike Bray got the job 23 years ago, I thought that maybe because of the fact that he, you know, cut his teeth on Mike Krzyzewski's bench, like maybe, oh, it's, sure. he's, got, he's got like the Duke blueprint. You know, like he was going to bring that to Notre Dame. He got to tournaments. He obviously didn't punch it all the way through. Look, I'm not going to tell you it's impossible because of what Jesse, you know, sure. was talking about. It's still the NCAA tournament. The biggest thing with the tournament is get to the tournament. Things can crazy things can happen yep. in the tournament. But for the most part, just getting to the final four for a private school like a Loyola or, you know, getting to a national championship games like Butler, you know, like that is the accomplishment. Getting to the final like it is so few and far between because, again, like, because even if you apply the 11 national championships I'm talking about, the other three won by Georgetown, that was in the 80s, in what, 1985, or was that 84? 84, because then um, Villanova followed that up the next year with its national championship. And then you got to go back to Marquette in 77, and you go back to Loyola in 63. It is few and far between. That these that that private schools are able to make that bump, and when you're Notre Dame, what did Jack Swarbrick say in his op-ed last week? They're not buying in on things like undergrad. They, they want to prioritize academics. Yep. That is sure. not going away. It's not going to get any easier mm -hmm. to get in the kind of guys that can make the kind of push that you're talking about to be able to. I, I'm not trying to crap all over it. I mean, of course, a head coach should come in the door and, you know, he's in the ACC. Of course, he should be saying we can, you know, our goal is to win national championships. But that doesn't make it any easier. There are still, right. still big obstacles that have to be cleared if you're at Notre Dame playing men's basketball trying to compete for national championships. Yeah, and to me, it, it's just going to come down to it's, – it's, if he's going to make that comment, sure, but that's not a, a one-year comment or a two-year comment when you're at Notre Dame. It's going to take the building of a roster, a building of kind of, you know, his blueprint for success at Notre Dame. And so, sure, yeah, if he's a good recruiter and he can bring in guys that, you know, might play a different kind of dynamic game than what Notre Dame is, you know, accustomed to looking for guys like, you know, 
Pat Connington and Grant, you know, from the 2015, 2016 team, just guys who are good on both ends of the ball and just overall, you know, athleticism, athleticism makes up for deficiencies all around the game, all around the board. And so if you have guys with just overall athleticism, like Pat Connington could jump out of the gym, but you wouldn't know it by, you know, looking at him. So I think that's what you got to Shrewsbury has to be focused on is as a head coach, can he bring in the type of recruits that he thinks he can, you know, to play at that national championship level? I just like Stymie's comment because yeah, like I've been pursuing Jennifer Aniston as well. Does it make it realistic that I'm going <laughs> to catch Jennifer Aniston? Yeah, I don't, you know, like up to interpretation, I guess. Vince, you're the one catching fire for all this. So yeah, I do. what do you have to say? <laughs> I, I love Father I mean, David we, here. We jumped all over it. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. He goes, just got on, and I'm hearing IB Sports Talk hates Notre Dame men's basketball. Fair summary? <laughs> I, I can hear I the sarcasm in there. I think that's awesome. Uh, what I also think it's hilarious that I'm the one that is being thrown under the bus because you and I essentially agreed, but I kind of I, – I guess I went a little bit well, further than you, were you yesterday. Bit more, you, were a little, you were more in the – Passionate? He shouldn't even be talking about it right Yeah, now. I did like, say that. Like, my thing <laughs> is – Come on, dude. You got is, four scholarship players on the roster. Yeah, like – I don't mind him talking about it, but I just, it's, it's, it's an uphill battle from the minute you get in the door. Maybe he can recruit a different yeah. kind of guy and get him in here. But, you know, as we talked about before, you know, and look, people have said, well, Villanova gave Notre Dame the blueprint. Butler gave Notre Dame the blueprint. And it's like, those are non-football schools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, yes, they had some success, but they're non-football schools. <laughs> that rely on men's basketball for the biggest source of their athletic department. Well, look at the revenue. coaches. Well, too. Let, I mean... let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> and what I'm saying, what, what I'm saying when I say that is yes, they're private schools as well, but their academic standards are probably a little bit lower to get guys in the program to allow them to succeed. And that's my end. What you were going to say, Jesse, I completely agree with that as well. You know, oh, by the way, Duke had a Hall of Fame coach. Villanova had a Hall of Fame coach. You know, Butler Brad has Stevens, a guy that took Brad Stevens if he had stayed. Yeah, exactly. If Brad Stevens had stayed at Butler, he'd probably be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And he now he's just, you know, the, if he ends the up GM being a good executive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There, there's a lot of different They're things. They're all outliers is my right. point. That's exactly you, right. You can't, you can't base your blueprint on outliers. I think so much of college basketball, like you were saying, like the Butlers, the Loyolas, like those are just the I, the definition of an outlier of just the right, the, the accumulation of the right time and everyone in the right spot sure. and just hitting it. It's kind of like the lottery almost. It's just hitting it you know, unexpectedly, because, I mean, you can't tell me that someone before the Butler season looked at that team and Brad Stevens like, yes, this is the team that's <laughs> going to do it. You know, it's just like, like you're saying, the whole premise of an outlier is just, you know, there's, there's got to be other situations or circumstances, you know, that are, that are around you that help you excel. And, like even if, even if you have all the talent, you still have to have the, the outside things kind of to help you in jiving as well. Like everything's got to be going your way in these instances. Right. And like, again, you know, besides the fact that Florida Atlantic with, you know, the transfers and their state school and everything else, they got to play fairly Dickinson in the second round instead of a number one seed. You know, again, it's like part of these runs in the NCAA tournament aren't necessarily, you know, like the best team doesn't always win the tournament because some of the good teams get knocked off in the early rounds. And it sets these, you know, Loyola went through the same thing a few years ago when they made their run. 
teams got beaten before they had to play them and they they got to play worse seeds as a result sure. that's what happens in the tournament it's like you know notre dame caught a little bit of a lightning in a bottle to get to one of those elite eights with that you know like the second time the, the you know the first time they were just good the second time they caught a little bit of that lightning in a bottle but Unfortunately, Bray was never able to catch that in in all those tournaments that he went right. to. You know, with the exception of probably that just that one time. Like luck plays a big part in success in the NCAA tournament. And I I am all about having high expectations. And I'll and I said it in the in my response post on the board. Like I'll be in the front row cheering for Notre Dame if they right, are in the final four. I'm not too high. Dave. We're not. We're not anti. Right. We're not anti by any no, means. It's just not at all. I think he's we're a great hire. Realistically, too. yeah, I think he's an absolutely great. I, hire. I think it's a home run hire. Week. Home yeah. run hire, no doubt about it. It's just like let's temper the expectations a little bit out of the gate. That's all I'm saying. Like again, he's like, I can't wait to see these guys on the floor and practice. Like they can't even scrimmage each other. <laughs> Like there's five dudes, four dudes. They're going to have to call up Marcus Burton and Penn and be like, hey, when school gets out, can you come over here so we can at least run some five-player sets? Either like, that or they're going to have to go door to door on campus and just right. find six-foot-six guys who are just right. doing nothing with their time. So it's like that was my only issue. It's like temper the expectations. Just like you can come out and be like, hey, man, we are going to compete. We're going to be nasty. We're going to be right. this. We're going to be that. Like – but like national it's, championships is, or bust like, yeah. uh, like there's a difference between like Marcus Freeman saying something like that because I mean Notre Dame rattled off 10 win season after 10 win season before he got here the program completely was in different really scenario. healthy shape and now you're looking at looking at a team that has no roster and was at the bottom of the ACC it's a little bit harder to make similar statements well that and that's Somebody gave me a hard time because, you know, obviously I've been on the show before and I've banged on Brian Kelly for giving the all the excuses about not being able to win at Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera. 100% I'm going to bash that because the football program is in a completely different situation completely. Right. than the basketball program. And if you just want, like I said it a couple times yesterday and I said it today uh, in my response was that. If you look at Notre Dame basketball since I've been alive, right? So from 1980 on, okay? The last Final Four for Notre Dame basketball was 1978, which is two years before I was born. Since then, they've made it to two Elite Eights, right? That's it as far as in the tournament. Notre Dame football has won a national championship, been in the college football playoff multiple times, and in the national championship game. Mm -hmm. Different universes, different universes, for success for the program. So right. it's just being realistic, man. Like, again, I love watching Notre Dame basketball, man. I, I was at the edge of my seat during the 2015 run when they went to the Elite Eight and, and Connaughton and Grant. Like, that was so much fun to go to the Joy Center and watch those guys play because they played with just unbridled enthusiasm and they actually did play defense. And it was, it was fun to watch, right? That hasn't been the case around here in a while, right? Right. And, and I mean, I, I hope that he does re me too. recruit a different kind of athlete and get some athleticism back on the roster. I hope all that stuff happens. And that's I'm going to be really curious to see how he is able to recruit. And, you know, again, sure. the way you have to recruit, though, in men's basketball is, as we've talked about before, it's different even than its counterpart, women's basketball, let alone the way you can recruit in football, just because of the way, you know, the the one and done and the way things are done and, you know, just 
the whole thing. And, you know, again, the emphasis like Jack Swarbrick wants the rest of the college sports playing world, not just football, but football, you know, like he wants them, you know, to to come back, you know, like to the way that that Notre Dame does things from an academic perspective. They want the emphasis. They want everyone to have Notre Dame's academic emphasis. Why? Because it would level the playing field for Notre Dame. But it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Right. Not going to happen. And and that's why it's tough. That doesn't mean you can't succeed. That doesn't mean that you can't get to a Final Four and, you know, maybe find your way into a national championship game. It's just there are different obstacles in place. Majorly different obstacles. And And it was funny. I know it was in the chat last night or what, but they're like, in today's world with the transfer portal, you know, you can do anything. Not here. Like, and you have to, if you want to be a Notre Dame fan, you need to accept that. And that's the thing. You know, like I said this yesterday, Notre Dame has a better chance of losing guys to the transfer portal than picking up guys from the transfer portal. Absolutely correct. Yes. That's just reality. Yeah. It's a reality we all have to live with. Now, can you still win? Absolutely. But you got to find the right guys, the right combination, the right chemistry, and all of those things. And can it happen? Sure, it could happen. But if you, I mean, again, look at the last 45 years, one final four, and that's back when bell bottoms were in style. (laughs) So you're saying if you were were a betting man, you're betting on them not making the final four. Just off the data, the last 40 years. Yeah, (laughs) I am. 100%. Yes. Yes. Speaking of right. data, I gotta check. I gotta check my app for that uh, over under eighty wins for the Cubs. I gotta get it on is that. off. It is off Vince, the Vegas uh, board since the season. Was he started. telling you about that, Vince? Yeah, we, we talked, talked about, about it last it night. I I made a healthy. I would call it investment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and Good for I'm you. just saying, one of eighty happened yesterday, baby. I'm that's right. I'm all I was, not to uh, go off on a tangent, but. You know, they sucked last year and only needed six more wins. And you add Dan right. Bellinger, Mancini, another year of the the, the rotation. You know, Dan's I think Strowman's going to be better this year. Like, there's just a lot working. I was like, and to get that at plus odds, I was like, I'd, I'd be an idiot not to take this. Did you, have you seen Dansby Swanson's Twitter handle, by the way? No. Um, it's Lieutenant Dan's seven or <laughs> nice. something like that like i was okay. it was funny because you know, i was looking at his spring training stats and i was like oof he was like a solid five of 40 six of 40 and of course yesterday just Man. three singles off the bat I was like ah just shows guys like him don't need spring training it only matters when you know mm-hmm. the lights are on baby when the lights are on he was there Go. i was a little worried but when i saw him you know get three hits and some rbis yesterday i was like all right nothing to worry about this guy has done this before i was talking Speaking of baseball wagers, I was talking to somebody else on the beat this morning when we were over there at Notre Dame, and his uh, his betting strategy for the season is bet against the Nationals all the time. Really? Uh, there was uh, that's his strategy for making money. Wow! In baseball uh, I saw season, something. So. Who was it? There was like three or four teams. Definitely, it might have been the Phillies, the Nationals, and someone else. The last 10 years, if you bet every game, you would be profitable if you took that team to lose, essentially. So hmm. they must be following some data somewhere because there are must teams be. that are consistently, if you bet the money line every game, you would have a return on your investment by the end of the year because they, they have That's never turned profits for like 10 years in a row or something like that. I can't remember who it was. I follow too many too many data people. On I'm sure you do. People, man. <laughs> sure you do. Dork. 
I'm into right, the we- pitch stats this year. Quick and easy. We got the men's final four tomorrow. Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, UConn, Miami are the two semifinals. Scale of one to ten, what is your interest level in the final four on the men's side? In actually watching it? Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Jess. You look like you had something to say. I just needed to <laughs> yeah, clarify. Yeah, so, so for me, like I, I'm not going to lie. As you get down to the final four and it's not teams where you're like, wow, like I, I want to watch this. <laughs> It, it makes it a little less interesting because then it's like, of course, I'm I'm happy that a team like Florida Atlantic is there, but at the same time, I don't get excited about Florida Atlantic in the final four. And so, you know, my number kind of varies. I'm taking kind of an average because Miami has never made the final four. Florida Atlantic has never made the final four and San Diego state has never made the final four. So you have three teams that have never made the final four. So that sways it for me because I'd like to see, you know, and I, I not, not that I'm like a huge Laranega fan or obviously I'm not a Miami university fan, but like I'd like to see Laranega win it because I think he's one of those coaches that's been around a while, paid his dues. So like that's what, that's what gets me interested, I guess, at this stage is just kind of seeing teams that haven't been here before, maybe coaches that are, you know, grinding this out. And so overall my, I, I put it at like a seven for me um, without kind of like the other backstory stuff I talk about. It honestly probably be around a five, but you know, that, that stuff kind of brings it up for me. Just teams that haven't gotten this opportunity before and a coach like Laranega to kind of, you know, put his stamp finally and, and get that, that big win. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I put it from watching, like I'm interested in the outcome to be honest with you. And if, <laughs> if, if there's nothing else going on, you know, Bobby be packing for vacation. So I might throw it on like, but honestly, it's not must see TV for me. It, it just, I know like that word was in your vocabulary. Would it be like that regardless of the teams that were in? Because obviously, you know, like you didn't go to a school, you know, like other right. than, you know, like you went to lawyer, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, no, no, is, no. It, is it I any different it. than any other year? I guess is my question. It, it, the only reason it is, it is different than any other year is because everybody in my bracket challenge, it has no teams <laughs> left. So like it was paid out today. Like lunch was bought for today. Uh, because no one else could even get points moving forward. That's so how like, mine all, is too. We already knew. <laughs> so like, if I still had a dog in the fight, like a oh man, I got to have so and so win to like win my thing. Yeah, exactly. All, it's all about all me. The brackets so, are busted. Exactly. So like, <laughs> that's the only thing different from any other year. Like, I would watch it if I I had a rooting interest. I want FAU to win. I want Miami to win. Like, I would love to see a, an all Southern my a Southern Florida finals. So I'm interested in the outcome. 
but it's not must see TV. It's just not. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll watch. I always watch the final four. I, I mean, like that. I, I guess I don't have any less interest is my point. You know, like I, last year I had even more interest because my alma mater, Kansas right. was in it and ended up winning the whole thing, but I still would have watched at least parts of those games. Like I might, sure. like I probably won't sit down and watch both of those games, you know, start to finish tomorrow. We might flip on a movie or something in the middle or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, you know, like I've said before, watch the end, uh, watch the last 10 minutes of the Miami Yukon game. That's really what you need the way Yukon sure. has, has, you know, worked through this tournament, but I'm interested. I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out, do I like Miami plus five and a half? That's, that's kind of teasing me a little bit. UConn Ooh. has been really good, but I, you know, so I'm interested. I'll, I'll watch at least parts of these games. And the other problem, and I've said this a million times and it's going to sound fuddy duddy, but the second game doesn't start till like nine o'clock. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's tough, always the man. issue. And that's what that's... like the women's final four actually starts in about <laughs> an hour. And of course, the second game is going to be South Carolina versus Iowa. And the first game is Virginia Tech and LSU. I really wish the South Carolina Iowa game was the early game, but mm-hmm. you know, I think that's that might be the most interesting game of the weekend. You've got the best yeah. team, best you know, women's team in the country against the best player in the country. Yeah, in yeah. Caitlin Clark coming up tonight. Yep, the hottest player in the country as far yep. like hot like shooting and playing. <laughs> right. I want to make sure I clarify that. I had you on that. I had okay. you on that. Just want to make sure. All right, fill in the blank. Pitch <laughs> clock made its debut on Major League Baseball's opening day, and only five of the 15 games played went over three hours. They cut about a half an hour, 25-ish minutes off the uh the game time yesterday. And that's blank. Jess, you take this since you were at a game. <laughs> I was gonna say. To me, this is tremendous, and I, I I was a little on the fence at first because I didn't want it to feel like, you know, the game was being altered in like a um, like fabricated way, you know, artificial like artificial way. Yeah, yeah, artificial. That's the better word. Like I didn't want it to feel like they were doing it every time, or like reminding them every time, or like it just didn't. I didn't want it to mess up the the rhythm of the game, the flow of the game. But I think it started a new rhythm, and I remember looking down at my phone yesterday, and it was like. The seventh or eighth inning, I was like, holy shoot, this is we're two out. This has only been two hours. Like it was a little cold yesterday on opening day. We're up top, you know, in like section 400. It's a little windy. You know, I'm sitting there in the fifth inning. I'm like, it's it's a little chilly right now. And so <laughs> I liked it because it kept the game moving. Like we were in and out of there, but it didn't actually affect the game play. Like I didn't feel like the game itself felt any different. It just like felt it like, wasn't rushed or anything. Right, like right. We we just cut out the BS time of pitchers rubbing their hands on the balls, doing laps around the mound, you know, nervously picking off a guy on first a hundred times. Like you, they limit that too. You can only pick off a guy, I think, like two two times per at bat. Mm-hmm. I want to say, and so that was another big change that I loved because again, you don't just have the pitcher stepping off and throwing over there because he's too nervous or he doesn't know what pitch he wants to throw or you know whatever it might be. So. Again, at the beginning, I didn't think I would like it because I, I thought it would feel artificial. But after being at the game yesterday, I, I loved it. I was in and out of there. The game didn't feel any different. And, you know, when the Cubs win, I can't really hate it at all. Jack, Jack, Jack. <laughs> that was spoken like a true man in his 20s. That's what that was. <laughs> Here comes. Here comes. 
here comes crotchety old Vince. <laughs> you know, like Vince doesn't think Micah Shrewsbury should be talking about national championships, and now he's going to beat up on the pitch clock too. So I'm go actually, ahead, old man. Go I'm ahead. actually go ahead, I'm, public school savant. Let's go. <laughs> I wonder. I want to know how many warnings were issued yesterday because I know Strowman got one in like he the got third. one. I think from what I saw. Yeah, he um, was the first pitcher penalized. By well, he was ever. like the first game, and so yeah. you know he, yeah. he had the the first opportunity. I, you know what? I'm actually fine with it. Uh, there are times when you feel like a baseball game is dragging. I mean, from a from a fan's perspective, I don't feel like that when I'm involved in the game, when I'm coaching, or when I was playing. Like I never felt that way ever that the game was taking too long. But as a fan, it can drag at times, right? So and I'm on that boat too, Vince, because yeah. playing so long, I was just like, you know, it never felt rushed. To me, but it's different right. as a fan. Yes, I think. absolutely. And so, I almost like want to play in a game where there's a pitch clock and see how it feels because it can get frustrating when a pitcher is slow playing you and all oh of gosh. that. I had this even kid. as a catcher, like it would be, I would get pissed off at my pits. Like, come on, dude, let's go. Like, nothing's gonna change. You still stink. Like, throw the ball. Let's go. <laughs> well, I had but a teammate like, yeah. in high school that would literally we joked with them that we could have tea parties while he was pitching because <laughs> man would just take forever. And I think that's the one time where I was like, we need a pitch clock because right, right. as a fielder, you you, you just don't oh. want to be standing there forever. You get, you know, you can not to say that you can't stay zoned in, but as a fielder, when you're, your pitcher is just, yeah, it's like when he's going around the mound 20 times and he's messing with the ball and it's like, all right, dude, come on, just like, just pitch, you know, like, this is your job. This is yeah. what you do. Yeah. I'm okay and with that's, it. You know, I was watching multiple, like flipping around to multiple games yesterday. Like what caught my attention, because I hadn't really thought a ton about it, but there was like a lot more like something going on all the time. You know, like, you know, like the pitches were coming quicker for sure. But what really, you know, like how many times over the last few years have you sat and, you know, if you're into baseball, you're watching a baseball game and you're like an hour and a half into the game and it's still the second or third inning. Right. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And like yesterday, that's what caught my attention. I looked, they're an hour and a half in. It's the fifth inning. They're, they're that's what I mean. When I looked down at my inning. watch yesterday at the game, I was like, yeah, I've never felt this pace before. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you, there was definitely a crispness to it. And I didn't yeah. feel like it was cheating you know, any of the games, I didn't feel like it was rushing it along by any means. You were just like cutting down a lot of unnecessary dead time. So I definitely think from a TV standpoint, that's good. You know, like again, Jesse was at the game. It was a cold day. So there was motivation to get out of there. You know, like my thing has always been like, I don't mind the extra time in the middle of summer. You know, oh, like, yeah. I don't mind the extra that's 30 what, minutes sure. if, right. if I'm paying the money to go to a An game. Extra beer, but you know, I think it's, I think it's definitely from a TV standpoint. There, yeah. Hey, I think they were they were coming around in the ninth yesterday. I was actually really? wondering if it was because of the new rule. Wow. Because they were still selling them in the ninth inning yesterday. That's interesting that like they're willing <laughs> to, you know, like because the games are going to be shorter and they want those sales still. So they're, I think they're going to go the duration of the whole game because it was the ninth inning. And I remember looking and Naomi was like, oh, uh, should we get another one? I was like, I don't think so. And she's like, well, the goose guy is right there. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> still selling. That's a great point. Like if you cut 30 minutes off the, the game time, you're cutting back on potential for beer yeah. and concession. Sales. And we're Good talking boy. about the Ricketts family. That's of high priority. Keeping the Yeah. I mean, up. but Simon, Simon makes a good point. Go stand in line to get a, 
couple hot dogs and a beer and you're going to miss two innings. <laughs> yeah. I made that declaration so. yesterday. I said, we're getting to the ballpark early. We're grabbing our seats and drinks and we're not moving again until we have to. Yeah. I hate son, missing time to stand in the six, line. Son of 66 says, is the clock in place for the bottom of the ninth and two on? Yeah. It's every pitch. All games. It is still on. So do you guys some, think someone's going to lose a game. Someone's going to lose a game because of the pitch clock. I was going to say, when is this going to lead? Everyone's going to lose their mind. To yes. like umpire friction between pitchers. And, you know, I saw Nestor Cortez got um, – I love watching Nestor Cortez pitch, by the way. I saw him get, you know, dings. And so the next pitch, what he did – because he quick pitched a guy, actually. And so the next pitch, all he did is he got up there and he held his leg up there for like 15 seconds <laughs> – <laughs> and then pitched it. He's he's always like that. He's like he's like Strowman essentially, where he like mixes up kind of his timing okay. here and there, and he could be obnoxious about it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like I'm curious to see what this leads to because I you know nothing's ever smooth, and I feel like the umpires are gonna have to you know get kind of snippety here and there, and you know we know how pitchers are, so it's just I'm curious to see the long term effects that, that it has throughout the season. Yeah, just wait till it affects the a close game. A it close will. game where like both said, teams are in contention. Where it's like maybe yeah. bases are loaded, full count, and somehow a pitcher takes too long yeah. and walks in a run or something like that. Yep. Like I mean, it happened yeah. like the second day of spring training, I think. So now like at least they've been in the system, you know, they've been right going through it for the last month, month and a half or whatever of spring. It's gonna training, happen. So they're a little more it's used to it. But it's gonna happen gonna at some happen. point. Like yeah. I said, everyone's going to lose their mind. So. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Everybody have a great weekend, whether you watch the final four or not. We've got we'll a see. full open practice tomorrow. Um, so I'm sure there'll be a show on that oh, yes. tomorrow. No But we'll question. talk about it on Monday's show as well. Yep. So. Vince and I, uh, like, I need a little more time to absorb all this stuff and then regurgitate. (laughs) (laughs) I just throw out opinions like crazy and see which ones stink. I mean, stick. (laughs) (laughs) All right, have a great weekend. We will talk to you Monday on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.